When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Catfish on Ice. This is episode 153 with your host, Chad Minson, as we just watched the Predators and their losing ways continue. They fall to the Philadelphia Flyers 3-1. to one. We just watched the game just now. And another really heartbreaking and gut-wrenching loss for the Nashville Predators as they are now 2-4-1 on the season. This was one of those games where you just want to pull all your hair out and just, uh, like, I mean, if you didn't check out at the second period, then you are a diehard fan. Um, Watching the game from start to finish, the Predators had their chances. They had their chances to get one by Carter Hart, and they just couldn't figure it out. And they end up losing 3-1 to in this game, despite the fact that they had plenty of chances, despite the fact that the Philadelphia Flyers did not really put a lot of offensive pressure onto the Predators. The, the three goals the Flyers scored were just very much opportunistic, being in the right place and taking advantage of situations when they had them, whereas the Predators, they could not finish. Again, we are finding this problem to be a recurring theme here early in the season. The Predators cannot finish despite getting plenty of opportunities to do so. Matthew Shane scores a late garbage goal. It's his second goal of the season. His other goal of the season is a empty net goal. So once again, we're talking about the top line of Duchesne, Granlin, and Forsberg. Where are you? What's going on here? Yeah, you get a goal there late in the game. The game's over at that point. So I'm not taking any stock in it. I'm sorry. And this is one of those situations where The home crowd was just not even into it. It was low event hockey. It was not very exciting to watch. It wasn't a good product to watch at all. And then uh, the the Flyers score on their first shot on goal of the game. I mean, that right there just takes everything out of you. After the two previous games, you give up two goal leads in the third period and lose both of those games. So this is just a spiral out of control early in the season. And really, the only way you can look at this glass half full is we are still very early in the season. That's really all we have to cling on to. I'm starting to think that someone in the Preds organization pissed off the hockey guides, and they need to repent their sins. They need to forgive, ask for forgiveness and mercy for whatever it is they did to piss the hockey gods off because we are not in their favor right now. And either that or someone has a doing some voodoo. They have one of those little dolls, and they're plucking it right now because something is not clicking with this team. I've got my buddy Alec Creasy joining me, who is uh, a fellow writer on Predlines.com with me. Let's get him in here. Again, everyone, this is Catfish on Ice, episode 153 with your host, Chad Minton. Thank you for hopping on with me here as we do a post-game reaction episode here on Catfish on Ice on this Saturday evening. Let's get Alec in here. Alec, can you hear me, man? 
I can. How you doing? Pretty good. Let's welcome Alec to the podcast. We just went to the game, and um, I he was at the game. And I gotta, I gotta say, if you needed to get some late night studying in, if you needed to uh, read a book, if you needed to catch a little cat nap, then Bridgestone Arena would have been the perfect place to be at tonight. Oh yeah, I one thousand percent agree. I mean, especially towards the end. I mean, that it was just a ghost town. People were flocking out of the seats even before the third goal. Uh, there were a few chants that started to break out, and they would just die off. I mean, you really probably could have had your final exam study room in Bridgestone and completely have understood all of it. Yeah, it was, um, it, it's hard to watch a Saturday night game at Bridgestone arena, especially this early in the season and see it that quiet to see it that lifeless. And I'm not blaming the fans here. I'm not, I'm not necessarily blaming the fans. I get their frustration. I understand why it was quiet because it was a really bad product on the ice. Yes, the Predators had chances. Yes, if you're into the analytics and you're an analytics geek, then you can dive into the numbers and you can look at the expected goals and you can look at all these things and think, oh, wow, the Predators dominated this game. They they had good moments. They had good chances. They maybe were the better team, analytically speaking. But fans don't care about that. They want to see goals. They want to see excitement. They want to see things happening. And the Predators did not finish they didn't put goals on the scoreboard until in garbage time when it really didn't matter. Uh, what did you see, Alec, in the game from start to finish? What was your overall takeaway from it? Well, like you said early, the Flyers were very opportunistic, capitalizing. I mean, that first goal was an errant pass uh, to get out of the zone and went straight to a Flyer in the slot. I mean, you just you give them that much. You give them that something like that for free. And I mean, I don't care if it's the Flyers, the Coyotes, or the Colorado Avalanche. They're gonna they're gonna take their chances and capitalize on opportunities when they get them. Um, I saw the Preds. I noticed after Borbietsky, which thankfully um, he's able to move and he's conscious. I really hope he's okay. But after that, they seem to start to get it going a little bit. But I even saw you tweeted this out as well. When you run into a hot goalie like Carter Hart right mm. now, I mean, it really takes a toll on your confidence. And then that third goal in the third was just gut-wrenching. And, I mean, the crowd was in it when there were chances. But at the end of the day, like you said, when you don't produce results, it's hard to get people excited and be like, let's get loud, let's get fired up when you're down 2-0. to zero And mm. there's just you, – you're just – I mean, yes, you can talk – like you said, you can talk about stats. You can talk about the shots. You can talk about the hits, the face-offs. But at the end of the day – the puck didn't hit the back of the net but one time tonight. Yeah, it was um, – yeah, definitely going up against Carter Hart was probably the worst goaltender other than, like, maybe Andre Vasilevsky or Igor Shesterkin. I mean, there's a couple other great goalies in this league, obviously. But Carter Hart is on what I would call a bender early in this season. He is just ripping through everybody. Uh, he is uh, looking like an early surprise Vezina Trophy candidate the way he's playing. And he, he, he carried that in. To his credit, he did make some really good saves. He was locked in. He was His vision, he was in the right place at the right time every time that the Predators got in. And you saw in the first and second period, the Predators were battling. They were working hard. They were owning the offensive zone. It was like the Flyers didn't even – Soros was getting all these long breaks to just kind of like chill and relax and watch all the action on the other end of the ice – Meanwhile, you got the Predators doing everything they can to – I thought their passing was very crisp through the first two periods in particular. I thought that they had a lot of energy early in the game. 
And when you give up that first goal on the first shot on Soros just to open the game, it's so deflating, and it just built from there. I agree. I mean, like like you said, I thought they honestly played one of their better games that we've seen since all this this whole you know spiral has been going down the drain. But, this nightmare. I'll, I'll just call yeah. it a nightmare that we can't wake up from. I mean, I wake up every I wake up every day saying, "All right, this might be the day they win." I mean, they usually come in, you know, pissed off, ready to make a statement, and then I just, you know, go home with disappointment. But at the end of the day, I mean, I thought they played better, but again, letting that first shot go in is gut wrenching. And I mean, at some points, you could tell they were pushing, but at some points, there were there was a a bit of miscommunication that concerned me. I mean, I saw a few plays where Yossi and Soros nearly collided, both going for the puck when it was dumped in. Um, I saw Duchesne and I think Granlin both chase a puck after. There's a, a lot of miscommunication uh, was plaguing the team, at least later on in the game, when you could tell they were really trying to push for that for that first goal to try and turn the tide. But, mm-hmm. um, I mean, that that was a little concerning. It was, it, to be fair, they did not pay for it, so at least they, you know, kind of, they kind of got it out of their system after that, after a few minutes. But, I mean – that, like like you said, that they came out with fire. That I thought they played a much better game. Passing was crisp. Uh, offensive zone time, they were wheeling through it. The um, the biggest takeaway I can take though is um, a couple of those goals were some defensive breakdowns, which are becoming all too familiar. For sure, definitely. Um, according to MoneyPuck.com, you're talking about another game where the Predators vastly outscored the other team in expected goals. They they literally had a whole full goal more than than the Flyers in expected goals. Uh, according to Money Puck, they were by far the dominant team at, at in all situations. Uh, Nino Niederreiter led the team in expected goals. Uh, Matthew Shane was a little bit behind. Ryan Johansson, Philip Forsberg, all your guys are there, but you got to actually put it past Carter Hart for it to count ultimately, and that's what didn't happen, unfortunately. Um we saw John Hines really shake up these lines a little bit, and it got people really, really talking before the puck was even dropped. You saw Yakov Trenin moved to the second line. You saw Ellie Tolvanen moved back to the fourth line. You saw Alex Carrier moved back to the third pairing, and you saw Dante Fabro moved up to the top pairing. A lot of really interesting, uh, thought-provoking line shuffling going on with John Hines. What did you think about that, Alec? Um. Yeah, I was personally really – I mean, we knew lineup changes were coming. I was very surprised that he broke up the herd line. That is like his go-to line. Uh, one line I was expecting to see that was still the same was the forsberg granlin Duchesne line just because those guys haven't been going. I wondered if they would swap Granlin and Johansson. Um, mm. But, again, you, you got to have Johansson need a rider together. That's why that line, in my opinion, is so deadly. But it was strange seeing Tolvin and knock down to the fourth line. Um Trinan, I didn't think played played terrible in the second line, but I thought it was odd that he was on the second line and Tolvanen was bumped all the way down. Uh, just some really strange combinations. But I mean, when you're on a four game loss streak going into the fifth game, where you got to get a win here, I mean, it makes sense to shake up the lines. Although they were very puzzling to say the least to look at before the game. Yeah, it seemed weird to me as well because I think Ellie Tolvanen has actually really done well on that line with Niederreiter and Johansson, despite the the losses. Um, I don't think that's been your most consistent line. So why are you breaking up your second line, which has actually been your most offensively dangerous line throughout the season? 
you know? Like, if, if, if you want to shake something up, then you can look at other areas. But to break up to break up that line, and, and I think Yakov Trenin did well up there tonight. I don't think he played a bad game at all. I liked his energy. I thought he was – he played his role well. But he is not – do I really think he's a second-line player on a really good quality team? I don't know about that. I, I'm not – I'm on the fence about that. So, I, I'm not crazy about Yakov Trenin being – on the second line so i don't know if Hines was just trying to experiment with something here and just be open-minded i don't know but i'm not crazy about it yeah i mean it i I wouldn't i mean like you said he did not play a bad game i thought he made the most of his opportunity to be moved up on the lines and get a little bit more ice time but i mean again back to what you said i just Johansson, Niederreiter, and Tolvanen. I mean, again, Tolvanen has been really – I feel like he's really poised if the Preds can turn around. He's really poised to have a great season. He's He started off very strong. He looks a lot better than last season. Of course, last season he was very snake-bitten last season, but he's he's had a lot of good looks. And I just I, – I, I found it perplexing that he was on the fourth line because that, that line should have stayed together. I felt like if you are going to shake things up, it would be down in the third and fourth lines, but they shook just the bottom three and just left the top as as, as it is when that has not been a very deadly line to start the season. Yeah, and then looking at these time on ice totals here, I mean, Philip Forsberg, look at Philip Forsberg. He only got 13.36 of ice time tonight. I mean, that's it's a little concerning there. Philip Forsberg has been um, – he's been very held in check the entire season. He has not been his normal self – he missed the net a couple times in moments where I thought he had good looks at the at a shot to make Carter Hart make a save, and he didn't even do that. He had three shots on goal, but I think he had a lot more opportunities to actually put pucks on the net and maybe break through and get a goal, and he just couldn't do it. I, I agree, and there, that's another thing I've noticed, especially on the power play. There seems to be a lot of indecision. Like It looks like, oh, that's a good look, but then they'll back off and think about a pass, and by that point – a flyers coming up to you know try and check them poke check them or something like that and then you're all out of sorts and you don't and then either they exit the zone or you're trying to reestablish possession in the offensive zone completely disorganized and just let up a really good opportunity and um going back to what you said about Forsberg though another player Yossi um it's been he's been very very hidden lately if you will um he's been noticeable in the wrong department which is penalties he's taken a quite a few penalties over the past few games which is concerning that's very unlike him yeah uh what i saw from yossi tonight is yes he was he was managing the puck he was quarterbacking the offense if you will i saw him making a lot of movement in the offensive zone trying to find guys desperately trying to get something working and I thought he did a decent job at that tonight. The problem is, part of it is Carter Hart. Let's let's give all the credit to him. Carter Hart was outstanding once again. And, and a part of it was just either shot attempts missing the net altogether, passing just being a second or two off, or just, you know, it wasn't penalties. We can't blame it on penalties tonight. That's, that's normally what we go to first is, oh, the Predators must have – had a parade to the penalty box. That did not happen tonight. Honestly, like you said, credit to Carter Hart. The theme of tonight wasn't penalties or or what. why are we leaving Soros out to dry or why aren't we driving through the offensive zone. It comes down to Carter Hart was just a brick wall. I mean, 
there, there were, I mean, I remember seeing looks and being like, that's in like, like that, that, oh my God, that's a great look. And I'd be like, how in the world did he say that? I mean, he is just unreal right now. And you, you got to give him credit. I mean, it, it wasn't just that the Preds played poorly. It's that the Flyers were very opportunistic and they have a very, very hot goaltender with them right now. Yeah, there were definitely a couple moments tonight where you you thought for sure that the Preds were going to break through and get a goal. It, you could smell it. You figured it. You felt like it was coming. The Predators do finally get their second power play goal of the season. Again, that comes in garbage time when the game was pretty much out of hand. That's why you got that 3-1 final score. You had about two minutes left. The Predators uh, empty the net. They try their best to make a comeback. It's so it's so improbable at that point that you're going to come back and win that game at that point. So it's one of those things where the Predators are just going to have to fight their way through this. There are a few other teams, notable teams, including the Minnesota Wild, who are having early season struggles. So the Predators aren't alone in this. But I will say it's a troubling trend right now because this thing can get away from you really quick, even though it is a long season and we're still very early into it. Um, you don't want to bury yourself too much because you got a team like the Dallas Stars that's just running away with it. I mean, and, and you know, the Colorado Avalanche are going to figure it out. So it's, it's, it's bad because you feel like the Predators should be winning these games. The Kings game should have been a two, point, two, two points. The Blue Jackets game, even more so. You should have came out of that game with two points. And you actually leave that game with not even a single point. You don't even make it to overtime in that game. And then tonight, you dominate possession. You dominate offensive zone time. You dominate expected goals. And you come out with a 3-1 loss. So that's three games in a row now where the Predators should have had two points in each of those games. I agree. I agree. And, I mean, like you, like, we, like I said, we could take out the positives from this game because there were a lot of positives, a lot of, a lot of good signs. I mean, it's easy to come out of this and just be just be upset and frustrated because it's a five-game loss streak now. That's At the end of the day, that's what it is. But when you see progress like that, it's encouraging. And what's even more encouraging is as deflating as it is to play that well and still not come out with just – only come out with one goal and zero points, you got a five-day break to try and get a mental reset and try and get back on track. That is true. They've got a little bit of a break here before they take on the Washington Capitals on Thursday. So they do have – they have time to go back to the lab – and figure some things out, and they, uh, I don't, I don't even know where to begin here. And it, I gotta say, if I hear one more, if I hear the word identity one more time from anyone, I'm, I'm gonna freak out. Like I'm tired of hearing that word of we're not playing to our identity. Okay, well then figure it out and do it because I'm yeah. sick of hearing that word. <laughs> the, the, it's almost like it's a crutch for their problems. We're it's, not playing it's like, hard. It's so tired. It's such a tired word to throw around because the re- the whole reason it even came through is because uh, under Laviolette, when the Preds were just having just a terrible season, and then John Hines came in, they said, and then the next season when we were kind of dead in the water to start, and then the youngsters came up and we started to come back in the 2020-21 season, um, the word identity started becoming a thing. But now it's kind of being turned into, like, at first it was like, great, we have an identity. We're a hard physical team to play against. But now it just gets thrown around like we're not playing to our we're not playing to our identity. We're not playing to our identity. Well, then you need to get back to what's your identity. Play simple hockey. Lay the hits out. Play hard. Get hard on the forecheck. And it, it, a part of it just looks like they're just trying to make too many pretty plays. Quite frankly. Yeah, for sure. All right, Alec, I appreciate it, man. I know you're uh, heading on home from the game, so drive safely. 
Alec Creasy joins us on episode 153 of Catfish on Ice. Uh, he uh, writes for Predlines.com along with myself and a few other of our friends. And uh, Alec, I appreciate it, man. Drive safely. All right, of course. You have a great night, Chad. See you, dude. All right. Thanks so much to Alec for giving us some insight there. He knows a lot of hockey and he's a good dude. All right. So I just want to kind of continue to talk about this game here and kind of my thoughts on it. Um, a lot of people are like really standing on the ledge here and it's very early in the season. And my thoughts on it is we've really, even after tonight, I still think that this team has time to figure it out and it can end up being a very good season and everything can work out. Uh, my thing about everything right now is that this team can just, they just can't connect on their chances. They, and that's hockey can be a very, very cruel sport. Unlike any other sport, you know, football or football, you know, you, you throw a couple first downs and you figure it out and you get a turn, you force a turnover and you get a defensive touchdown, you get a fumble recovery, whatever. Like hockey is the one sport where you can be, feel like you can, you're doing everything right and a couple pucks don't bounce your way or whatever. I'm not saying that it's all bad luck and that's why the Predators are struggling. I actually think a lot of the reasons why they're struggling is self-inflicted wounds and they're beating themselves. Tonight's game was felt completely different and was completely different than the previous two losses where they gave up their two goal leads in the third period. This was a game where nothing bounced their way. It, it just is what it is. It do, I mean, it's – you give up the first goal on the first shot of the game on a defensive breakdown, and it's like every mistake this team makes right now is magnified, and it's ending up in the back of their net. And that's exactly what happened. And then you run up against the worst goaltender you could probably run up against in Carter Hart right now, who is one of the hottest goaltenders in the league. That really, really messed up, messed you up there as well. So – can I come out of this game feeling encouraged a little bit? Maybe, but at the same time, you're sitting on a five-game losing streak and this thing's getting ugly and people are already calling for John Hines' head. They're already calling for David Poyle, which let's talk about David Poyle. He gets his 3,000th game as an NHL general manager, which has never been done. First GM to ever do that. I'm very, very happy that the fans didn't boo him because that would have been very, very classless, especially with his family there. They gave him the round of applause that I think he does deserve because he's done a lot of great things in this league. And I think fans are just quickly losing their patience, especially considering all the hype and buzz that was built coming out of this offseason when we saw the additions of Ryan McDonough, when we saw the addition of Nino Niederreiter, when we saw the re-signing of Philip Forsberg, when we see all these prospects creating all this buzz and we're having a great draft and – and all these different things, the buzz was high. The expectations were high. That means the patience is even thinner. And so you're seeing a team that is two, four, and one to open up the season. You're seven games in of an 82 game season, and fans are already done with it. They're already, they've already lost all patience. They don't care about the fact that they can get the, that hockey is one of those sports where you can get on a quick winning streak just as quick as you got on that losing streak, and you can make everything – you can forget about everything else. No one wants to think about that right now. They just want to think about this team keeps beating themselves. They can't get out of the mud, and it can unfortunately continue tonight against a Flyers team 
that wasn't really that impressive. They didn't even really push the offensive pace that much. Um, I do think we need to talk about UC Soros here. He has not been the stellar top three type of caliber goaltender so far in his starts this year. He hasn't. It's just the way it is. I hate giving criticism to Soros because I think he does so much for this team. And so many times he bails out this team. But he's given up some goals that you feel like a, an elite goaltender should make the save on. And he, he, did, he did that time. I mean, this, the game could have been even more out of hand. He made some really spectacular saves. And he does that every game. I mean, he's UC Soros. He does that every game. But he's also letting some goals by that sometimes you, you think, okay, if he's going to be considered an elite goaltender in this league, like we all think he is and, and capable of, he's got to start stepping up and making more of these saves. So I don't put, I don't put the main majority of the blame on him, but I definitely think that he could step up his level of play as well. I think it's a, it, it really goes up and down the lineup here um, when it comes to the blame here. But this game against the Flyers, as frustrating as it is, they played a good game. I mean, they really did. They could not get a bounce. They couldn't beat Carter Hart to save their lives. And this is one of those games where you pull everything you did out of this game that you did positive, and you just got to pray to the hockey guys that, that eventually some things are going to start bouncing your way if you repeat that type of, of a performance. Because I do think that some things will start working your way um, in some of these upcoming games. But as I said, uh, according to Money Puck, they, they, they led the expected goals uh, for category once again. They dominated the possession time. Uh, the, the Flyers were very content on, on holding back and playing pretty much a defensive game, a conservative defensive game, and ride, ride Carter Hart, especially when they got that two-goal lead going into the first intermission. The Flyers played a very, very boring and conservative game. And they were like daring the Predators to finally break through and get a goal. And the Predators couldn't do it. So that's how it goes there. So the Predators have a few days off to figure it out and get back on track. And we've, we've been saying this all week now. We said that going into the Kings game. We said that going into the Blue Jackets game. We said that going into tonight's game. And it, it just hasn't worked out for them. So – that is the post-game reaction of the Preds and the Flyers. Again, the Preds lose 3-1 to one to the Flyers. They score a garbage goal late in the game, but for the most part, it was just a really, really hard game to watch because you see a team that's doing everything they can to, to put a goal by. I want to talk really quick about Mark Borowiecki. Very, very scary moment there. Um, when it first happened, I mean, he's laying flat down, face down on the ice, and he wasn't even moving. Everyone just stopped. The, the entire arena was just quiet, and it reminds you how dangerous this sport is. Even, even in a pretty typical collision along the boards, I mean, collisions like that happen all the time, but – Borowiecki, his chin or part of his head hit those boards at just the right spot, and he went down immediately. He wasn't moving. Both training staffs came out. The players were surrounding uh, Burrow, and 
they were extremely cautious. They brought the stretcher out, and it was a really scary moment. But the team has updated uh, his status, and it's very encouraging news. Um, this is from the team's uh, official Twitter account. When Mark Borowiecki left Bridgestone Arena, he was conscious and had movement in all of his extremities. He has been transported to Vanderbilt University Medical Center for further testing and observation. We will share more details on his condition as they become available. So obviously the most important thing there is he does have movement in his extremities. And whenever something like that happens, I mean, you immediately just fear the worst because those boards have no give in them. These, these players are skating at ridiculous speeds and going it. And, and when those collisions happen, it's just, it's scary stuff. So that, that was a moment in the game when it was, it had to be hard for everyone on that team to mentally get checked back into that game. You're only human here. And Mark Borowiecki has such an impact on this team as a mentor of this team, as a veteran leader, everything he's been through. If you've watched the behind the glass, uh, docuseries on NHL Network, you know how much of a leader and how much of a great person and mentor to the younger players, to all the players, I'm sure, uh, Mark Borowiecki is. So it had to have been really, really difficult for these players to get back into the game following that moment. I mean, it's not easy. It couldn't have been. It was hard for me to watch the game after that happened and focus on the game. All I was thinking about was is Mark Borowiecki going to be okay? Like watching him come off that on that stretcher. Uh, so at least we're getting good preliminary news there from the team regarding the fact that he is moving his extremities and that we will get more information as it comes out there. But uh, prayers up to Mark Borowiecki that he makes a quick recovery and that it's not serious. Uh, just really scary stuff there. Um, also, Want to touch on some other things that have happened throughout the week since our last episode. This is Chad Mitten, your host of Catfish on Ice. This is episode 153, giving you a late night Saturday edition post-game reaction of the Flyers and the Preds. Just another gut-wrenching loss. Like I said, we're in a nightmare here. We can't wake up from it. Um, difficult stuff to deal, deal with right now. But... We are presented by DraftKings, everybody, and DraftKings is giving you an awesome offer right now for all hockey fans, for new users. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again, and thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Uh, if that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. So we got tons of games coming up throughout the week where you can pick a team of your choice, throw down $5, and if that team wins, $200 in free bets. Safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win the, their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, 
an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Please see our show notes for details. And if you have a gambling problem or are seeking gambling help, please see our episode show notes below when we post the episode on all podcast platforms for information on how to get gambling help. DraftKings promo code THPN. All right, I wanted to talk real quick about the new reverse retro 2.0 jerseys. Um, what are we thinking here, everybody, about the old school mustard cat logo coming back here for the Predators? I thought that the Predators reverse retro jersey is very conservative. It's very basic. Like, it's not bad. Sometimes simple is effective. And that's kind of how I feel about the Predators Reverse Retro 2.0. I love bringing back that logo. I've always loved the old school Sabretooth logo that the team had in the early 2000s. It gives me nostalgia from some of the early players like Greg Johnson, Kimo Timonen was on that team. David Legwand was a young David Legwand was on that team. Um, it does give you some nostalgia if you've been a fan of this team for a long time since they first became a team in 1998. Uh, so that's cool. And that's the whole point of this reverse retro is you want to get that retro feel. So I think bringing back that Sabretooth lo uh, Tiger logo is pretty cool there. Um, it, it still leaves a lot to be desired for me. It's, it's not very creative in my opinion. It's a very it's still the same predominant uh, colors that the Predators use. Um, I'm not alone in this. Everyone wants the Navy. Everyone was hoping they'd go to the Navy. They did the Navy for the Stadium Series jersey with the big Smashville letters, and nobody liked that for the most part. It just looked gimmicky. The, the big letters in Smashville was just – it didn't stick really. There were a few people who liked them, but it, overall it wasn't very popular. So I think that was their – their nod to the whole Navy concept, and they went back to the gold. I do the one reason I like the 2.0 jerseys is because I like the logo, bringing back the logo. But on Daily Faceoff, they did their they ranked all of their dailyfaceoff.com. They ranked all of their re reverse retro 2.0 jerseys. They gave the LA Kings their top knot there the, with the best one according to them with the um, with the old uh, purple, yellow, and white with the with the crown on the front there. Pretty cool. That's definitely retro look. Um, the the uh, Colorado Avalanche got the second best in their opinion. Um, I can't figure out why everyone likes the Sharks reverse retro. It looks really cheesy to me. It's just not very good. Um, but you got some good ones there. You always love these jersey concepts. I love the New York Islanders. They brought back their old school logo. That was cool. The Capitals brought back. The, the Screaming Eagle logo from back in the 90s and the early 2000s. I thought that was cool. So there's a lot of cool ones out there. The, they actually ranked the National Predators reverse retro jersey as the ninth at number nine. So they gave them a pretty generous ranking. Like I said, I like the, uh, like the Sabretooth Tiger coming back and then the logo there. But other than that, it's a pretty basic jersey. But I guess, I guess it could be worse, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's how I feel about that. Um, moving forward here, everybody, we got to get ready for the Washington Capitals. They're going to be on Saturday or on Thursday, I should say, this coming week. And then after that, you've got the Blues. Actually, the Blues on Thursday, then the Capitals after that. My apologies there. So the St. Louis Blues, that's 
that's not a great game to uh, try to get out of a losing streak there to play the St. Louis Blues, a team that has yet to lose a game yet this year. They're three three and zero on the season, whereas you got the Dallas Stars who are four zero and one. They won again tonight. Joe Pavelski um, keeps beating Father Time. The thirty eight year old gets a hat trick tonight, and the Stars are four zero and one on their season. Uh, but if you look through the Central Division here, even the untouchable Colorado Avalanche have already suffered three losses on the season. So the Minnesota Wild are another team that are struggling really badly early in the season. They are 1-3-1 and one early on. So the Predators aren't necessarily alone in their early season struggles in the Western Conference. How about the Edmonton Oilers? They are 2-3 and three on the season early on. So they can share some struggles here and some misery. We've got some other teams in this Western Conference here that also are stumbling out of the gate. So at least we can take some solace in that. But overall, um, I just think that the Predators have to start seeing the puck get past the goaltender again. I mean, they, they're doing the right things, and it's just not bouncing their way, especially in this game. The other two games, obviously, they blew to third-period third period leads, multi-goal third period leads. That's a completely different discussion than what happened against the Flyers tonight. Yes, they're all losses, but they happen in different ways. And this tonight's game against the Flyers, can't even put that in the same stratosphere as the two losses against the Kings and the Blue Jackets where you blew late leads and you completely broke down and lost your focus and just let the other team just battle back. This was a game where the other team just scored quickly, were opportunistic, and you couldn't take advantage of your opportunities. That's all I got for you. This is Chad Mitten, your host of Catfish on Ice, giving you a quick post-game reaction of Preds versus the Flyers. We will see you next week for a brand-new episode. Rich Howe and Kyle Perkins, my co-host, will be back with me. Thank you so much. I hope y'all have a great rest of your weekend. Don't let the Preds get you down. Everything will be okay. we got a lot of games left this season. And if nothing else, we're all in this together. We'll suffer through this season together. Thanks, everybody, for watching. This is Chad Minton, Catfish on Ice Podcast. Have a great rest of your weekend.